When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. The technician comes running in and she says, you have to have headphones on. You either have to have headphones on or earplugs. And I say, why? And she says, that's our policy. You have to do it. So I put the earphones on again, even though now there was no music. There was just earphones. You lost the right to music by taking them off. Yeah, (laughs) it's been revoked. So I didn't, I mean, I didn't understand that. I talked to a couple of people about this. No music for you. And they said, (laughs) right, no music for you. You're bad. You're a bad boy. Lay in the tube. (laughs) The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. Got this great note from Remnick the other day. He said, you talked about your MRI. It's just unbelievable that you did that. And he said that Larry David should pay me $4 million a year because he could just listen to five of these stupid podcasts and get ideas. It's a whole season. Yeah. Um, all right, so it's the end of summer. Summer is now over because Labor Day has, has come and gone. Doesn't feel like it. No, it's it, in Washington, D.C., where we are, it's going to be 98 degrees today. It was in the high 90s yesterday. It's going to be 98. Record-setting heat. A few more days. Um, we've not had a terrible heat wave all summer, so we're getting it now. The deal is, though, that in the same way that summer begins with Memorial Day, even though that's not official summer, it ends with Labor Day, even though it's not official. It, you know what else ends with Labor Day? Easy traffic. Uh-huh. That stuff yes. is gone. Kids are back in school. The roads, the, the roads that you are familiar with, and I'm not talking about highways now, roads in your neighborhood, are packed with cars, relatively speaking, to what it was like in the month of July and August, early on in August. Yes, and, and because school is back and people are back at work even they, though they may not drive all the way into town to do all of their work. They're, don't you notice this, Michael? Yeah, and, and for us it happened two weeks ago because the, the big school systems went back two weeks before Labor Day, and it's that 3.30 crunch on some of these neighborhood roads where it's taking yeah. multiple uh, light cycles just to get through. If you are but used please to, be aware because everyone's getting used to a new route. Kids are walking. Everyone's uh, trying to get back on routine. So this is what I want to say. If you are used to walking in areas where there are crosswalks. Be careful, be careful for a week or two till the new drivers who are back on the roads acclimate once again to their legal responsibility of slowing down to allow people to use the crosswalk. That's legal responsibility. A lot of these guys just gun it. You're not supposed to do that, but you need to be aware as a pedestrian that there are a lot of dopes out there. So, you know, it's gonna, that's going to take a little while. The Nats keep losing. The starters keep falling behind early. There was that period of time for most of August where the Nats were getting, they were using six different starters and getting six innings a night. And if they weren't ahead, they were tied or they were one down or something like that. But the Nats were competitive in, through six innings. That has not happened lately. 
Josiah Gray has been bad since the All-Star game. He was an All-Star. His ERA is like up over a run and a half a game in that period of time. Adon came back to earth. There's more stuff that has happened here. They're not competitive anymore, and they're losing games. Dom Smith had four RBI over the weekend. It's his greatest weekend of the year, and the Nats lost every single game. He doesn't, even when he drives in runs. He must know that you said an over-under. At the they bottom. don't win. He's up to 38 now. What do you He'll, think he's going to finish? I think 52. I think he's going to get hot for the rest of the year. I think 52. But they lost every game. So if you, were to, if you were to take a 10-game, just picture, a snapshot of this season, anyone from, you know, from opening day to today, you'd look at this team and say, okay, they are pretty much who we thought they were, but I'm still, I'm a little bit, I'm a little surprised. I'm enjoying it. I was enjoying it until the, the Miami series where they were just not competitive. They were competitive in one game, but the last game, but then, then Finnegan was terrible in the eighth inning or the ninth inning, whatever inning he was terrible in. And, you know, and they lost. Yeah. I mean, I'm still there. I'm not going away. I'm going to watch all Have the Have you games. started to shift towards potential playoff matchups yes. with the real teams? And yes. Did you see the MLB uh, preview as to what could be a really cool no, uh, Gabe Kapler series? No, just like what could be. I mean, because everyone wants oh, to Kapler, see. Oh, Kapler. So uh, Giants-Phillies would be yeah, a Kapler that, If you got that, everyone is excited. If you could have, after the four-game series in Los Angeles, if you could have Braves-Dodgers, that'd be oh, really sure. exciting. I mean, I think that that's true. And I think that, I think that if, indeed, you could get Texas-Houston and Verlander and Scherzer would be pitching in, in one of the games, I think that would be very good. People will ask me later about uh, golf tournament. Um, I played all weekend. I played... Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, I was awful on Saturday. I shot 100. I shot 100. I mean, that's, I'm playing a course that's like basically 50 yards long. The gold tees, I mean, it's really not long. And I shot 100. Then I was really good on Sunday. I shot like 85 or 86. I think we got you in a good spot. Yeah, I, I show with up, I show up on the range, and I watch you. Ground seriousness, ball about 11. ground ball, 15 balls in a row. And I just thought to myself, there's no, re- there's no reason for him to go to the first tee. Right. <laughs> but I was better. I even you played chipped. great. Yeah, I played very well. You I were did. hitting these, these 30 to 50-yard pitch shots where you're, you are uh-huh. rotating through to your left and side. And I usually bang them right and into the ground. And you were just there soft. They got spin. Yeah. So I, was, I played very well, enjoyed myself very much. And that prepped me for the tournament. Uh, with Team Coco yesterday, we no longer we no longer get shop credit. We no longer finish in the money. Um, we always have a good time. Had a good time. I actually birdied a hole. Birdied seven. Uh, so that was three for two. So that was good. But we didn't. I think we finished. Did eight. you actually putt the ball out? No, of course not. It was so close, <laughs> and I putted it out three different times and missed the putt each time. Went wide right three different. Did times. you try between the legs? That's usually and, your go-to. No. I just took the birdie. Again, that is Tony's signal. This putt has been given to me. Yeah, that's right. It's over. (laughs) So um, I had that one birdie, and then then I couldn't get out of the trap on 17. I just put it in my pocket and said, give me a triple. The secret sauce you're missing is Arch Campbell. Yeah, Arch isn't there. Arch has had a bad back, and so we haven't had Arch, and we're not the unit, the well-oiled, functional machine that we used to be. But I, I enjoyed myself, and we got out before it got too hot. Um, which was nice. That's the end of the. It's the end of the golf season this week because the club championships are this week. I'm not in that because I can't play during the week. I mean, it, 
I can play Tuesday morning, but it, the, the club championships are not contested on Tuesday morning. But I was, you know, uh, I was very happy to play. I think, Michael, I think I've sort of reached my limit. On, I don't think I can play four days in a row anymore. I think I just get worse. Like there comes a day where I just lose it utterly. You know, it's like usually the fourth day. It's a, is it more, is it mental or physical for you? I'm just bored. Yeah. I'm sort of bored at that point and I can't re, you know, I, I can't press the reset button and go to zero, which is what I'd like to do. But I really like playing. I mean, people think, how could you like playing? You're lousy. Well, I just like playing. It gives me, I don't do anything else. I mean, I don't go anywhere. I don't do anything. Are so. you enjoying it less now that you've been relegated to cart status? Because sometimes I'd I play with you. Walk. I play with you, and I worry because you go to a different set of tees, and then you get into your little cart and you zoom around, and I feel like I don't see you for a six-hole stretch. Yeah, I'd rather walk, and the doctor would rather have me walk. I don't think I was afraid to walk in ninety-eight degree heat. Um, you know what else? You know, I uh, there's only one Gatorade I will drink. Ooh, let's there's guess only the color. one. It's certainly n- nothing that is blue or purple. No blue. The glacier freeze. No purple. Orange? No white. Orange is the only one I'll drink. Mm. Yeah. And they didn't have it when they stacked all of the sort of baskets out there because you got to put a lot of Gatorade out during a very hot day. The first two that I came to only had blue and red. Now, luckily, George at the shack had one orange for me. An orange can? I was, school orange no, not can? a can. It was a, a bottle. So I was pretty happy Try about that. But that's the only flavor... <laughs> It's the only flavor I like. The, do you, what flavor do you like? So Glacier Freeze is my go-to, but the trick with the Gator... What if color you're not, is Glacier? That's the, uh, it's the, it is a, bl- it's a light blue, but mm. not the deep blue. The deep blue is right. disgusting. Yeah, okay. Uh, but no, I gotta always, I'll give you some of the liquid IV packets, because you can just put that into whatever water bottle you have. Do they have the, orange? Uh, I don't think there's an orange, but I think you'll enjoy the lemon lime. Is it tastes lemon like, lime is okay. It tastes like what you used to do, which is you you'd sort of drink half the Gatorade and then you'd start to fill it up with water, and, and you'd yeah. you'd eventually get to the correct mixture where it wasn't too salty, too sweet. Gatorade is the one thing I was told this by doctors many many years ago. Gatorade is the one product that actually delivers. It's actually good for you. Gatorade it actually is. Good water for you. sucks. It really, really sucks. <laughs> you know, it's just amazing. <laughs> it's a water boy reference, Ted. All right, we'll get out of here. Um, we'll get out of here. I have to practice doing cold opens. What is a cold open, Sean? What is a cold open? So it's it's when you just do a quick like, you know, today on the show, this 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 or and this are happening. the The classic cold open would be like like Saturday Night Live doing a sketch and then everybody saying live from new york it's saturday night so could i open by saying live from new york it's saturday night would <laughs> probably not what well, we was going on. On. wouldn't that be wouldn't that be a violation of you know their copyright like their taco intellectual tuesday. property yes they'd, yeah. they'd have a problem there taco tuesday really stop <laughs> on today's stop. show i'll go hole by hole in my, in my labor day tournament it was hot i didn't you know what michael i didn't i only hit one shot that made me nuts only one shot where I said, that's the worst shot I've ever hit in my life. That was a fairway wood on 12. I'd hit a good drive, and I got really angry. Other than that, I just hit shots that weren't very good. They weren't terrible. They just weren't very good, which is sort of If me. I could get one swing thought out of your mind, it would be 
keep your head down. Do not let your let your head swing through the shot. Think of David Duvall in his prime. Swing through and, and actually start to stand up and do it. I thought I can't stand up. Uh, I... So it's it, the idea where you, you have no room to swing if you try and keep your head down. You're just going to get stuck in your posture, essentially. David Duvall, swing through it. And we'll take a break. Michael Wilbon will join us when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a song called Lazy Walking. And the person who performs it, performs it under the name of Ronan. His name is Tom Ronan Goddard. He writes, you've been kind enough to play three or four of my homegrown songs from my 2020 album over the years, plus the bluesy mailbag tune that's in the rotation. However, I've gotten an upgrade with the significant collaboration of my sons, Julian and Dustin, who are, in sharp contrast to their old man, trained professional musicians. I've started making my second album. I don't anticipate we'll be releasing either this song or the album to the major outlets for another few months, but I thought I'd give you and the Littles an exclusive listen to the first song we completed, Lazy Walkin'. Its lyrics speak to my late in life, age 68, please. Career transition uh, from a career in the corporate and public sectors to my private counseling practice. And he wants to thank his boys. And he goes, finally return on those Shenandoah Conservatory tuition dollars. It's Ronan. And again, it's called Lazy Walking. It plays in Michael Wilbon. And when I made notes yesterday to talk to Wilbon, the first thing I wrote was there were three big college football stories I wanted to talk to him about. Colorado beating TCU, Florida State killing LSU, and Northwestern losing. Then I wake up this morning, Duke beat Clemson. That that may be the biggest surprise. No? Clemson? No. God, no. no. Really? The game, didn't, the game didn't even matter. I wouldn't even turn it on. I mean, it, it, Clemson is not Clemson of five years ago. No, I mean, What happened to, me. to Clemson? Not to me. Um, you know, it's run its course. You don't get to stay there forever. I mean, even Alabama, while it hasn't happened in the last 15 years or so, right. has down periods. Ohio State, Notre Dame, no, you don't, you don't get to stay there forever. Clemson's had a great run. Is that run over? I'm listening to Feinbaum and others opine this morning and talk about how it's done and Dabo's tired and all that and every really? bit of overreaction to every right. thing in college football. Northwestern losing wasn't a big deal because we were going to lose, and we're going to lose a lot. Uh, we were going well, to I mean, was, off, I'm only a big deal to you. I was just going to yeah, yeah, just to me, and not even a big. Yeah. I mean, not not really a big deal to me, Tony. There were things actually that I thought we that were encouraging, even in a 24 to seven loss. There was 24 to nothing most of the game. Right. There were some encouraging moments for me as a as a alum who pays attention, a booster season ticket holder. Um, there was one story in college football. One. Well, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Beyond. But I would I would no. I would respectfully disagree. I think Florida State killing LSU, and Brian Kelly saying that was a total failure. They beat them bad. They beat them bad in the second half, and that's a neutral site game. And Florida State had been one of those programs that had been down for a while, being up for so long. 
And LSU is was a national championship contender. They got killed. They got waxed by a team that people think is on the way up. And LSU has certainly had down years. LSU is not consistently a threat right. to be in the playoffs. It's just not. Um, and you look, when, when you have a great recruiting two or three years, which people have said Florida State has had, right. but let's see. I mean, it's one game. I don't, right. I don't know that I'm ready to claim that they're going to make me forget about the Bobby Bowden teams of the 80s and early 90s. I don't, I don't know that Florida State's ready to do that. So I'm not jumping up and down. One thing made me jump up and down. One. I know. One. Dion. That's it. These other things are nice little stories. They're nice. LSU doesn't look great yet. LSU and Clemson look like they're just not going to be have great seasons. Okay, that's as far as I'm willing to go on that. Dion, Dion shot. Dion shocked the world. I believe that and he shot a particular constituency in college football, which I find loathsome. And I am I, I I rarely have been as jazzed about a game involving nothing to do with a team or place I care for as I was about that game. So we both watched this. You watched it for longer than I did, but I watched the entire second half. And in the second half, TCU, much like Colorado, every time TCU got the ball, they scored. Every yep. time Colorado got the ball, they scored. So at the end of the game, TCU has the ball, and logic tells you they're going to win this game by four points because they are going to score a touchdown late. And they did something. I'm not a football coach. They started running the ball. I, I mean, I watched it and said, what exactly are you doing? You have had great success throwing the ball basically on every down. Why are you running the ball? Did you feel the same way I did? Like, what is this? No, no. They were having great success the whole game running and throwing the ball. And, Tony, I think what was going on, first of all, Dion countered um, defensively with something they hadn't been doing all game because they had to. Dion's not Dion's no fool. I mean, he, he played. I wonder if we had to talk about the percentage of snaps Dion played in his life on defense versus offense. I'm going to say 65 to 70% of the snaps were on defense at cornerback and safety. Dion knows defense, and he knows they couldn't play it. They couldn't stop anybody. Right. So he knew late in that game they had to stop them, and so they dramatically changed what they were doing. And I'm sure the TCU, without watching film, TCU countered. And well, said, okay, is, here's what Dion is, no, is giving us. We there can is do no this. film on Dion. There's no film. There's, there's, there's no, there's no there's film no yet. Right. Is now. No but, yeah, but, 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 you know, TCU said, here's how we're going to do this, and we're going to score late and last and not give – Young Dion Shadur Sanders a chance to win the game because, as That's you said, right. every time they got the ball, they went they down scored. the field. He so why give them the ball yards. back? They, they, so they didn't want to give them the ball back. They didn't want to throw the ball and score in forty seconds and have okay and have okay. Colorado with the ball last. They, they, there's no point in that. They couldn't stop them either, and their sense. coach is no fool. They, they they knew they couldn't stop him. Right. He was the best. Colorado had the two best players on the field. They did. Right now, the kid if I was going to rank Heisman Trophy candidates, one two, I, I, I'm going. Well, I'm go, the one in three at least. I'm going. Obviously, my man uh, Caleb Williams is going to be somewhere, and they're having thrown for the number of yards he threw for. And the Notre Dame quarterback is going to be in there too. Notre Dame quarterback, you know, because it's Notre Dame. He didn't have the kind of game that he didn't have the kind of game that that Caleb Williams, 
Oh, Shador his, Sanders no, I don't know. or oh, no, the other not, kid had. No. He didn't have that. Shador Sanders had the greatest game because he threw for over 500 yards. <laughs> and this was, this was a real – I think this was a real big deal. And it sets yeah. up – it sets up – you know who they have next week? Yeah, they have, they have nobody next week. It, it, it sets up several weeks, Tony. They get Nebraska. Nebraska is of, of no consequence. But you were impressed with Nebraska the way – even though they lost? Yeah, you I was impressed with the defense. Just right. their defense. They couldn't okay. score. Okay. And, um, and, and I, look, I, I think that they got the right coach this time, I think. Mm-hmm. And I watched that entire game, too. So I have some impressions of Nebraska. I also have the impression that Nebraska is going to get its butt whipped in Boulder on Saturday. By Colorado. I, I wouldn't go against that now. Did you see that by the and and by the way, Deion Sanders, what he said it for people that think that Deion Sanders is going to after a game be humble, are you not paying attention? Well, Deion Sanders game. has a body of work for yeah. thirty to thirty five years in yeah. football. He is the same this is why I like him, he's the same guy all the time. And he was the same guy afterwards, and he basically said, I told you we'd be good. Did you yeah. see it now? Would you like yeah. to shut up now? Yeah. I mean, yeah, but, and- but people aren't. And, and it, was, it was much more involved than that, Tony. That wasn't just a football game. I mean, I did something I don't usually do. I tweeted about college football, a, a situation that was not my own. That wasn't about that. that. That was about what people were saying about Dion and why they were attacking him, and he knows it. And people can hide behind stuff if they want. It, they, it, it's so thinly veiled, it may, they may as well not put up a veil. Dion knows what that was about. He talked about that, too. He talked about being a little black coach from an HBCU that the college football royalty, the blue bloods, the people who think they decide what happens in college football, why they were rooting against him specifically and his kids, certain of his kids specifically, and against Jackson State specifically. And that culture, that is college football, that is often odious. College football has nastiness in it. It has nastiness, regional and cultural nastiness. And so I tweeted right after the game, I was so excited, that I said this was a double, single finger, middle finger salute from Deion Sanders to everybody in college football who was rooting against him for the specificity of those who were not everybody was, but too many were, and we know what it was about. Well, and Dion gave voice to that. He, he talked directly I root for to Dion. it. I root you for root for Dion. You're not yeah. the only person out there rooting. No, I'm not. And the so only the, one. The, the 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 culture of rooting against Dion smelled. It reeked. Did you see that every sing- the Pac-12 does not exist. It is dissolved. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Every single team won. Well, Every... I don't know. The schedule, you know, the schedule, okay. we don't. But I, I'm just I, saying. Again, week one in college football is, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, they're playing. It, there, there's a few conference games. Or a couple of, obviously, the Big Ten had like three conference games. Yes. Nebraska lost to Minnesota. Well, Clemson-Duke was a conference game. Clemson-Duke was a conference game. Who did Penn State play? Penn State beat somebody in conference, I think. I thought and Northwestern Rutgers was a conference. Yeah. There were a few conferences, but but by and large, it's teams can warm up. Easy. You don't have the big week one games that you used to have. Neutral site, a ton of them. You don't have a ton of them. You have a few of them now. No, we'll get but, you out of here. I'm going to get so you out of here. Twelve games are that significant. Yeah. The United States basketball team lost to Lithuania. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. What are your thoughts about that? A lot of thoughts, Tony, um, which we'll get into today again. Um, one, you know, I've been saying for m- months, if not years, United States basketball has suffered. It has suffered. It suffered for a lot of reasons. One, the rest of the world catches up because the rest of the world plays and they play hard and they play smart and they have talented people between 6, 8, and 7, 2, 2. Just look at the last five MVPs of the NBA. Five. Joker. Giannis. Uh, Embiid. Mm-hmm. Those are the last five MVPs. They're the so three this is best not, big men in the world. Yes. This they is are. not some small sample size losing Lithuania. Right. The whole world has people who can shoot. And they have seven-footers who can play. And they combine them. And, and one of the thoughts, Tony, is that American big men are not taught to be big men anymore. They're taught to play like guards. And so they can't play like big men. I mean, whatever you want to think of Joel Embiid, he, he's a big man. And he's, and he's better than anybody on the U.S. And the United States does not produce American-born bigs who play like bigs. They're running around 25 feet from the basket. And so we don't have size that matters. And you got the whole world can play. You got shooters. Tony, there's shooters like Latvia's got three guys. They shoot like 45% from three. So the Czech Republic, come on, you, you got you, you got shooters, in, and particularly in Eastern Europe. And by the way, some of these guys, some of these kids have played in the NBA. Some do play in the NBA. Some will play in the NBA. But you really, you really like the American team. You I want do. to keep the American do. team? Are, are yes. you not? Su- I am surprised they lost. No, I am. No, I told you on Friday. You said they got to win, and I said yep. to you on PTI, I said, ah, "No, they don't. No, mm. they don't." Because Tony, that one, they I like keeping this team together, and I don't believe that LeBron James at forty years old is going to come to the rescue and deliver the United States. The U.S. players don't even want to play the internationals in an all-star game over the weekend, over all-star break. They don't want to play them. You know why? They're on the court. They know who the – look at the four of the five top players who were all NBA first team last year. How many of them American? None of the four. One, Shea Gilgis-Alexander is the only one of the five. He's Canadian. He's Canadian. Okay, so North American, one, zero for five. Right, because Luca and the three bigs I mentioned That's earlier. Right. There's your five, so it's zero for five. So we, what? The American players don't know this. Now, can you get a better result if you put, if you put Steph Curry and Booker? Maybe Bam. People mentioned Bam out of bio. Okay, maybe, maybe. 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 I don't know. No. But I think you have to keep these guys together. Remember, LeBron and Dwayne Wade and all those guys—they got their butts kicked. Thus, making it necessary to have the redeem team. You don't even need to redeem if you don't lose. So they lost. So now, so now you're going to break this team up to put celebrities so people can have nice Instagram moments? I wouldn't do that. No. I, I wouldn't do it either. I'd keep this team together. I'd add uh, maybe two pieces. I'd try to find some size. I don't believe Embiid is going to just w- run over and play for the U.S. Maybe he would. Embiid can play for, I don't know, at least two nations, if not three. So I don't know that that's going to happen. Carl Anthony Towns is going to – Carl Anthony Towns can't win a playing game. So don't tell me he's going to save the, the United States basketball team. I think it's a great story, Tom. And the NBA, certain forces in the NBA, they're terrified of playing a game which now I think will be asked for even more. I will say because this. Look at the hype over yeah. such a game if you had it. The, I don't much care about the World Cup because the right. best players are not playing, but the Olympics 
will have all the best well, players. Well, Tony, I don't, I don't know that. The, the, the Olympics, Olympics just now didn't have the, all the best players in, in ooh, Japan. They will. They oh, the Olympics will because I think that's important to the NBA. The Olympics are different than the World yeah, Cup. Yeah, but but everybody's bigger uh, stage. Every country that you have owners now who like mm. Mark Cuban, who has a following, who don't want their 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 players playing and risking injury. I, I don't know that, Tony, because it doesn't. It doesn't have the That's, same reward for them that it had for you and me watching it I and think obsessing it will over it for 100 years. We'll see. We're a year out. I think it will happen. Yeah. I think they'll all play in the Olympics. Yeah. All right. I'll talk to you later. All right, Tom. Michael Wilbon, boys and girls. We will take a break. Greg Garcia will join us, and we will talk about Jimmy Buffett, who Greg knew very well. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening, You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Greg was there. I was there. That was opening night of Margaritaville, the show that Greg wrote uh, about Jimmy Buffett's music. Jimmy Buffett passed away over the weekend. Greg, um, that one phrase, Margaritaville, that one thing that expanded into a lifestyle and expanded into properties and restaurants and everything else that one thing actually made jimmy buffett a billionaire right yeah yeah i mean i think that that wow. you know he wrote a ton of songs and and yes. he was admired by you know a lot of musicians because of his songwriting prowess and 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 what a good songwriter he was but yes it was that one song and his ability as a businessman to turn that one song into an empire that really, yes. you know, kind of, kind of defined him more than, than, uh, uh, than all his other work. I was, I read all of the obits and I, I, honestly, I mean, if you said to me, well, who in rock and roll is a billionaire? And I would have said, well, I guess Paul McCartney's a billionaire and I guess Mick Jagger's a billionaire. I would never have thought of that of Jimmy Buffett, but Jimmy Buffett made a tremendous amount of money because he identified something that people wanted, right? He identified a lifestyle that people were comfortable with and wanted. Yeah. Look, I mean, first of all, he was, I mean, he was a great guy. He was a great guy and I had nothing but fun with him in, in the, in the amount of time that I spent right. in his world. And, but, but he, he, he was a smart, smart guy. And I think that as much as he loved music, you know, he also uh, loved being a businessman. And, uh, you know, one day, one day we were sitting around and it was me and, and him and Mike O'Malley who wrote the, the book of the musical with me. And, uh, and, and Mike said to him, he said, uh, Jimmy, he goes, you know, you write all these songs about sitting on a beach and doing nothing. You're the you're the smartest, shrewdest businessman, hardest working businessman I've ever met in my life. And Jimmy looked at us and he kind of got this little twinkle in his eye and he said, "Shh, that's my dirty little secret." Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, you know, he told me once, he said, he goes, I don't understand why the Eagles didn't have a Hotel California on every corner. You know, that's just the way he, he saw some of this stuff, is how to just make it grow and, 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 and make more money. I would have, you know, I mean, I think he had an ethos more than he had a catalog, and I think that his songs are very lovely and pleasant, but they all, they were more than songs. They spoke to a particular lifestyle. You worked with him. Was he pleasant to work with? Did he leave you alone? Was he hands-on? What was he like? Well, first of all, I never saw him anything but happy. Never. Right. I, I, you know, he, he, every time he was around, he would enter the room and just spread joy. I mean, just a big smile on his face, so happy. Now, look, like we said, he's a billionaire. He probably has people that can get upset for him. Um, yeah. But, yeah. It, you know, and, and, and he had a very comfortable life that he earned for himself and worked hard to get. But never once did I see him upset or angry or not just smiling and happy. And he loved the fact that we were doing this musical. He, he, had, he, he grew up watching uh, theater and he loved Broadway and he loved the idea that we were doing this. And every time he came, he was just enthusiastic. He was a cheerleader for the whole thing. Um, he did leave us alone. He let us, he let us run with it. He would have his thoughts and we would listen to his thoughts. And, and, um, and most times there were things that we definitely wanted to do. And then on occasion, if there was something that we didn't want to do, he didn't ram anything down our throat. He said, you know, go, go with it. You know, or I remember one time, we were in Key West, and uh, uh, we were just hanging out down there, and we had taken the lead of the, the show down there because Jimmy wanted him to perform at a bar to see what it was like to perform at a bar. So we were okay. all hanging out down there. And then we were getting ready to leave, and, and he asked me how I was going to get home. And, and I said, uh, well, I'm flying, driving to Miami, and then flying to L.A. And he says, no, 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 come with me, Garcia. We'll do some work on the plane. Well, little did I know that he was going to be flying the plane. So he, <laughs> he flew us from Key West to West Palm Beach. And, and, and this is a guy who he kept calling Mike, Mike uh, uh, O'Malley, Mike Mallory all the time. And I said, well, now he's flying the plane, uh, and, <laughs> which was partly my fault because Mike O'Malley hated it so much. He, he, I always, whenever Mike wasn't around, I'd call him Mike Mallory to bump it to, to just keep that going. But... But so, but anyway, my point was, we get, we go to West Palm Beach, we have lunch, and then we can hop on a bigger plane, and now we have pilots, and, and Jimmy and I are sitting in the back, and we're writing a song for the musicals. I'm sitting across, just in this plane with Jimmy and I, and we're writing a song together, and we're just coming up with lyrics, and then he would pitch me some lyrics, and I'd look at him and go, eh, I think we can do better. And he's like, damn, Garcia, you're hard, all right. And then he'd just keep coming up with it. There wasn't an ego there. It was just about, let's find the best thing for the show. Um, so, so he did leave us alone to some extent. And, and I just loved how happy he, this show made him. One time we were, we were watching a rehearsal of it. The first time he saw it on its feet and he was sitting behind me and he was laughing his head off. And I turned around afterwards and I said, Do you like it? He goes, I loved it. And I go, it's the first time you've ever been to a Jimmy Buffett show, huh? You see what all the fuss is about. <laughs> and he says, yeah, man, I see it. So, I, you know, I really enjoyed myself at the show. We went through this years back. This is a show that will sort of live forever in two-week and four-week runs, right? I mean, in regional theaters all around the country, people will come to see this show. They will enjoy themselves tremendously. There are words 
that I would write down about Buffett, sly and wise and winking. I thought that Buffett, I thought one of the smartest things he ever did was actually to name his backup band, the Coral Reefer Band. I mean, that he was, you know, it, it, it always, there was that wink. There was that inside feel. You know this better than I. That inside feel that, that Buffett had opened up a door to everyone's psyche and understood what made them feel comfortable and happy. I wouldn't say that about other people. He understood happy, right? Absolutely. And he was happy. I mean, he was just a happy guy. The first, first night I met him, we had to go do a, we had a meeting because there was talk of, he liked My Name is Earl. He had worked with Michael Malley on something before. And the talk was Michael Malley and I would write this thing together. So we all went to dinner at the Beverly Hills Hotel. And right away, he just comes in and he's laughing and we're making jokes. He said, I, he, he, he said to me, he goes, I hope, I hope you guys weren't waiting too long. He was a little late. And I said, well, I've been in the parking lot for three hours. And he said, what? I said, well, I don't go see Buffett without tailgating first. And he, he, I had that joke locked and loaded, and he started dying. He goes, we got a parrot head here. We're in good shape. We're in good shape. And we started laughing all night, and we're drinking. And somehow somehow the night ended with us at a party at Seth MacFarlane's house, the creator of Family Guy. And yeah. Buffett has me in a headlock. And he's telling us, telling me, we're both drunk on tequila. He's telling me, we're pirates, Greg. You and I are pirates. And I came home to my wife. I said, this is going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> I said, I don't know what's going to happen with this, but this is going to be a lot of fun. I sort of feel like I, that whoever, you know, come, came up with the name Tommy Bahama ought to be tithing to Buffett's estate for the rest of time. Like that, that Buffett is a, or was, a life style. Your memories of him are wonderful. I, I met him one time, only one time. I was doing Monday Night Football. It was in New Orleans. He loved betting on football games, right? You must have had those discussions with him. He loved oh, that. Oh, yeah. Well, we, we bet. We, you know, he's a Saints fan. So I remember one yeah. time Washington was playing the Saints. So we put a bet on it. We bet a bottle of tequila. And I lost. And I, I mean, you got to give a bottle of tequila to Jimmy Buffett. So I went to BevMo. I just said, give me the most expensive tequila you have. And I shipped it to him. I'm sure he left it in a hotel for housekeeping somewhere. <laughs> but, but, but. But it was fun. I had these dreams. I had these dreams of having a bottle of tequila from Jimmy Buffett on my shelf for the rest of my life. But of course, the doggone football team let me down once again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was he was like a little guy. He was not big at all, and he really he he did. He made everybody happy. I I thought that that moment. At the opening on Broadway, when he came out to sing, I, it was transfixing to me to just, I, I didn't expect it. I mean, you expected it. You knew he was going to do it. But I didn't expect it, and I thought there was just pure joy in that. Well, I think he just loved it. I mean, look, he, as he should, he loved his life. He yeah. would get up there on stage with no shoes on, because I, I went to see him in a lot of shows, too, and just preparing for all this stuff. And fans loved him, and he was a man of the people, and he loved his fans. You know, look, I've, I've, I know some people that, that, you know, they get a fan base, and their fan base is not the kind of people they would hang out with. You know, it's just, you know, they don't really like their right. fans. He loved his fans. He would, he would hang out with all his fans. Like, he was a down-to-earth, you know, guy. And so I think that, you know, even when the musical 
look, there's no there's no secret that the musical did not last on Broadway as much as long as we'd like. And there's no secret that the reviews weren't fantastic in the musical. It didn't bother this guy one bit. I mean, he knew who he was. He knew what made him happy. He loved the show. And that's all that mattered to him, you know, that that. And then we would watch people every night have a joyous experience watching this show. So it didn't matter. Any, nothing else mattered. Um, you know, it was just all positive from him. Uh, I, I don't know if people know this. I don't know how many people know this. There are retirement communities. They are yeah. called Margaritaville. They are full. They are full. His influence on people who liked his work goes way beyond sitting down and listening to an album. People have committed to living in a place called Margarita. Is that not, that's amazing to me. Yeah, I have a friend from Frostburg who's just getting ready to move down, I think, to Panama City to one of these places. <laughs> it's, um, it's a lifestyle. I mean, yes. people, yes. people love it, yeah. Yeah, I was trying to tell Jimmy some ideas for what he should call it. Maybe the after party or, you know, <laughs> last call. or <laughs> Just amazing. All you right. don't have to go to heaven, but you can't stay here. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I like that. <laughs> well, I, I'm, thank you for coming on, waking up early and, and sharing these things. Because he, uh, he, again, he was somebody who, he really outkicked the coverage. I mean, really, I, the... He had some wonderful, wonderful songs, but it was so much larger than the catalog of songs, right? It was so much larger. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I'm, I was thrilled that you wanted me to come on and, and chat about him for a little bit because, you know, look, I knew him for a short amount of time. You know, when you look at, you know, I, I met yeah. him about nine years ago and, 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 and I had my experience with him, but uh, I, it was joyous and, and, you know, I was very lucky to uh, to have spent a little time in his world. And, uh, you know, as far as, uh, you know, if you're going to meet a rock star and a billionaire like that, and he's going to be that kind of guy, um, it's a special, special, special guy. It's lovely. I want to thank McManus for saying you should get Garcia on the show to talk about Buffett. Thank you, Greg. All right. Take care. Greg Garcia, boys and girls. We will come back with email and jingle. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. I love this thing. Especially when it's 98 degrees and you feel like you're getting wet, (laughs) cooling off. Jeremy Vint must be a genius. I mean, not that I want him to fix my car, but he must be a genius. I mean, it's... It's perfect. It's beautiful. You luxuriate in a pool. You look at whales and stuff. It just feels like a warm hug. It's where it's wonderful. That's all yes. I've been waiting for. Mm. <laughs> we could work on that with your household. That's mm. why I have three kids. Yeah. <laughs> I understand. Jeremy Vint kids. It's just beautiful. Thank you, Jeremy. Nigel, why don't you do the Bethesda bagel ad? Michael went out yeah. and got Bethesda bagels today. I saw I him. was 
I was just about to say, yeah, th I want to, first of all, thank Michael for getting the bagels while I'm up in New York. But uh, we also want to say we love Bethesda Bagels. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and you will be thrilled. The first thing Dad did when he saw the bagel bag, he counted the sandwiches to see if I just hidden one from no, his eyes. No, I didn't eyes. think you'd hidden one. From I, those crying I, eyes. If there was an extra one, I was going to send it home for oh, you, yes. Liz. Yes, if there's an extra one. Anyway. But now there's not an extra one, so there's I don't... Not. That'll just about do it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me say every day it's getting closer, going faster than a roller coaster. Love like yours will surely come my way. Hey, 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 every day it's getting faster. Everyone says, go ahead and ask her. Love like yours will surely come my way. Hey, hey. That's the great, great buddy, Holly. Uh, thanks to our guests today, Michael Wilbon, Greg Garcia. Thanks to our sponsors today, ZipRecruiter, Grammarly, and Rocket Money. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple, please leave us a review. We are waiting for the final 2023 coffee ice cream results from Dad. But until then, yes. we have TK Coffee one uh, promo code <laughs> is ready for use uh, at johnnyo.com. And they finally did it. We have something called the Course Performance T-shirt, a non-pocket tee for you. I love mm. non-pockets. Variety love, of colors. But I want to get the lined pants to walk oh, yeah. the dog in the winter. Uh, Jason Smorrell pants. writes, is that today? I'm not sure with the summer schedule if this will get read in time for our Tuesday night La Cheeserie Night Part Deux at historic NBT Bank Stadium in Syracuse, New York. Is it tonight? Dan Byrne will be in the house and playing a little concert on our 315 bullpen bar when the gates open at 530. He will also sing live on the field the attached version of La Cheeserie Night Part Deux. It's just... Dan Byrne, my God. In an email I sent to him, I asked if he could write a song for the event. What a rum-dum I am. Of course he wrote a song, and it is titled La Cheeserie Night Part 2. Tom Mosser and Calvert Woodley donated fantastic prizes to be given out to fans. Chuck and Roxy will drive up to do their thing. I see the Taco that? Tuesday as part of an episode I've yet to listen to, but since this game is a Tuesday, it is also a Taco Tuesday with the Syracuse Mets. Be careful Mets. with that trademark. Jake and I, with little help from Claire Natola, she is everywhere, put together a fun bit of in-game shenanigans that will be explained in the post-event wrap-up email. I can tell you we will up the price of our ice cream to ten twenty-nine and see how many we sell. <laughs> Currently, we're at 40 tickets sold, so $160 will be donated to the first tee of Syracuse, and hopefully we will get more by game time. We booked 10 rooms of Littles coming from out of town at the non-heated toilet seat. No robe, but fine. A loft inner harbor hotel. So overall, I would say it's another successful dumb promotion for the Littles. Thanks for helping get the word out. As always, thanks for the laughs. We will send pics and a recap soon. Tell Jake Hafner to eat it. That's tonight, Nigel, tonight? It I is believe. tonight, yes. Okay. Yes. From Robert in Fairfax, we went to the Fairfax City Labor Day car show early, 9 a.m. We wanted to get there before it got too hot. We left about 11. It was over 90 degrees. Saw the perfect Edsel for the one percenter, a.k.a. TK Stacked Money. Pictures attached. I see it. It's a Pacer model. I, I, yeah, I wanted to get the citation. I couldn't remember the model you were looking for. There were a number of cars there for sale. I don't think the Edsel was one of them, but for those one percenters, I'm sure a deal could be made. Played at Augustine Golf Course on Saturday. Found a Bushnell V5 Rangefinder and Titleist SM8 Vokey 52-degree wedge. No one reported them lost. I'll use them at our next DC Jingle Golf Outing with Shan, Robbie, and Toby pictured uh, attached from Pinecrest. Hope you have a great week. Um, I would buy an Edsel. I would buy an Edsel, 1960 Edsel. I would buy one. I would. Mike Giannopoulos, Kernersville, North Carolina. For the past 25 years, I've had the privilege to serve on staff with a wonderful organization named Group Mission Trips. 
Each summer, middle school, high school, and college students spend a week of their lives volunteering and traveling to various cities around the country to provide home repair for those less fortunate. While serving on the staff this past summer in Huntington, West Virginia, I met a college student named Justin who was volunteering at our camp. One afternoon while chatting with him, I asked what college he attends, and he simply replied, a small college in New York. I'm sure you've never heard of it. Try me, I said. Much to my joy and delight, he told me he just completed his freshman year at Binghamton. I knew I was about to blow his mind. I know all about Binghamton, home of the Bearcats. Your basketball team plays on the Dr. Bailey court, and they stink. As I shared more random facts about his university, he stared at me in shock. I then had to explain that although I'd never visited Binghamton, I knew way too much about the university and the surrounding area due to my many years of tuning into your radio show and now your podcast. Sadly, even though he knew exactly who you were, he had no idea you were a graduate and distinguished alum. I want to pass along the story primarily to let you know that Binghamton is still producing incredible adults, ones that will give up a week of their summer to help less fortunate people. Justin is an amazing young man, a student you in Binghamton can be proud of. From Donnie Mathis, yesterday, Chase Estep, the son of a great friend from high school, got promoted from the Brooklyn Cyclones to the Syracuse Mets. Well, Jason should know that. In his first game, he was one for four with three RBI and might catch Dom Smith in a few weeks. Please tell all the littles to cheer loudly for this young man from the Commonwealth of Kentucky next Tuesday evening. So that must be the game. He'll be playing. I cannot travel there from South Carolina, but hope that he will have his own cheering section that night because of the connective tissue of the show. Chase Estep. That's somebody we cheer for. Brandon Borzelli. How is it possible for a car to drive 60-plus miles an hour through a sensor that's at least 20 feet above your car, aiming at something no bigger than an egg roll, and that this would be the, the easy pass? Easy yeah, pass. the easy pass, right? But an MRI requires plunging your entire body into a tube that spends 45 or more minutes scanning your body only to reveal some inflammation. Maybe try hanging your leg outside of the car when you go through the easy pass on the way to <laughs> Delaware. See if that reveals anything viable. From John Juback in Pittsburgh, any chance you can book Carville's cousin as a guest on your show? I'm dying to hear what an Irish Cajun accent sounds like. <laughs> From Steve the Sycophant, I too, dear Toby, was able to bask in the radiance of this month's supermoon. But when you said you wouldn't be around for the next one in 15 years, my heart was sad. And you see, I'm six years older than you and was looking forward to the next supermoon, plus 15 more years of PTI and your podcast. You got to keep going, not only for your fans, but to keep holding Cigna accountable. And look on the bright side. In 15 years, you can be out on the golf course with a decent chance of shooting your age. As long as you make it to the sink to roar through a bowl of coffee, ice cream, all will be well. From Reese in London. Dear Dr. Hofwaff, imagine my disappointment when you said you won't make the next supermoon. I'm sure if you stop using Cigna for your medical care, you got at least another 25 <laughs> years. From Alex Lau in New York City, tell the 0-5 Jeff Ma. Was he 0-5? I thought we'll he won one. I thought yeah. Jeff... Wait yeah, a I second. I got one. I thought he got Texas Tech minus 14 over Wyoming. Could we check that? I thought he got that. I don't know. Alex Loud, tell the 0-5 Jeff Ma that one place we're finding a lot of value early in the season is by betting heavily against him. My first son is two months old. It's never too early to get that 529 started. Keep those picks coming. Um, I thought he won one. James lost them all. James was 0-3 on his triple play. From Jim in Nutley, New Jersey, what was the line on Carville having the best phone reception he's ever had from the basement of an Italian restaurant <laughs> in Dublin? Uh, Patrick Vincencio in Laurel, Maryland. So you say that Chick-fil-A should be open seven days a week. Any chance you can do your show for a full week instead of just three out of five? Touche. 
From Joe Klein in Parma Heights, Ohio, please pass along a thank you to Rob Lowe, not that Rob Lowe, for the North Royalton traffic update. I can report from neighboring Parma Heights that the construction along Brook Park Road seems to have improved, but only slightly. The work at Brook Park and Tiedman looks like it should be done soon, but Brook Park and Ridge still a nightmare. Basically traveling east and west in the south suburbs of Cleveland is a fool's errand at the moment. From Bobby Godfrey, Sam Angel, Chuck and Roxy, episode 79, and I, episode 12, went to see Adam Ferrara, episode 195. So top 100 by Adam Benson, math. And Bethesda, see attached <laughs> photo with my shirt courtesy of Ed Butt. Adam was, as you would expect, absolutely hilarious and sends his regards. Um, from Sir Mulligan, it's just as hard to pick losers as it is winners. 0 for 5 on Jeff's picks is pretty impressive. I, do we have a final? I have, to see the, I have to see the full slate for you. So right. Texas Tech only lost by two in overtime to so Wyoming. So they win that so game. So if he took the minus so 14. he's 1 and 4 then. He wasn't 0 yes. and 5. Come on now. Let's be accurate here. Mike O'Brien. Hi, it's Mike O'Brien, but that, not that Mike O'Brien. From Cincinnati, never revere. Anyway, hearing Mr. Tony's adventure with music during his MRI made me recall a fun time with music at a doctor. It was 2007. I was finally getting LASIK surgery to correct my nearsightedness. I was in a doctor's office and did partake in the complimentary Valium to calm the nerves. While they were adjusting the laser shooting apparatus to get it ready to shoot light into my eyeballs to allegedly fix them, the classic rock station that was on the sound system started playing Manfred Mann's version of Blinded by the Light. I may have asked for a second Valium at that point. <laughs> You're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always. Do wear one. You can't be serious, man. You cannot be serious! Yes, John, that he's serious. Was on the line. <laughs>
craving all this yummy, yummy green. Instead of convincing folks that I'm so goddamn smart, I'm heading to a life where people value my heart. And in this moment, I feel glee, glee from the the coming life where my love becomes my art. No more hustle, no more chasing empty dreams. Cause I found solace far away from all those schemes. The gentle wind teaches me how to unwind. Leaving the chaos and the noise so far behind. This moment I know peace, peace in the gentle flow of life and my soul is now alive. Oh, the